do to get material gain. They say flattery, use flattering words. It means literally a language that is artfully adaptive to captivate the hearer. So how do they get what they want? They use words that captivate your hearing to listen to them. They want you. They're going to use things to draw you in. Do you notice everything is about them? But it never draws you to Christ. Right? It's because they're deceptive. His gain comes by deception. They deceive. The result of being led astray to cause a subject to believe or accept false ideas about something. So they've used this smooth talk, this flattering words to captivate you so that you'll be deceived and drawn away and you're caught in the trap. This is what a charlatan looks like. A good example is in Acts 8. In Acts chapter 8, you find Simon Magnus, right? Um, uh, Philip was preaching and and God did some signs and God did some uh, things to to say that this is true, the gospel is true. And Simon saw it and says, I want that. Can I, how much will you give me to teach me to, or give that gift to me? Does that sound familiar? There are a lot of churches that say, hey, if you give me a bunch of money, I will teach you to do this. It's pretty, pretty interesting. It happened. And the whole thing, he tried to purchase the power of the Holy Spirit for his own gain. He said, this is pretty slick. I want to do this too. Uh, There's a lot of of evangelists today, televangelists, uh, Joel Osteen, Kenneth Copeland. There's many that are deceptive. They use flattery. They use smooth talk. They just, all they're trying to do is make you feel good so that they can captivate you and they can get what they want. Let's look at the prophet. The portrait of the prophet. A false prophet claims to be gifted by God. By the way, in order to understand why uh, we're going to look at on the, if you turn your notes over on the second page, there's a ton of stuff we've got to fill in. But we want to know, what is it really prophecy? What it really is a prophet? What does it really mean? What is Scripture talking about? But it's interesting, in our text, we read 2 Peter 1, 19 uh, through uh, chapter 2, verses 3. And he talks about that there's no, prophes- that no prophecy of Scripture. So prophecy is pointing to... Scripture comes, it doesn't come from one's own interpretation or by, one, by one's will. But it's amazing that a lot of these false prophets, prophets today, a lot of times are claiming to be gifted by God. They're gifted with these things. This is what they look like. Their divine authority to use, uh, they have div- all this divine authority and they use it also to intimidate so they have this, they say, well, I'm gifted by God, I speak for God, so I have all authority, and I can say whatever I want to say, and you have to listen to me. And they, they get kind of intimidating. They'll intimidate you to say, I know something you don't. That is, that's one of their MOs. That's what they look like. And uh, the, the scripture tells us, um, the one in the scripture that we read that, 
they are carried along a lot of times by their own will, their own desires, but that's not where Scripture came from. The portrait of the prophet, he claims to be gifted by God with divine authority and uses it to intimidate, also with divine personal revelation. He says, I have personal revelation. I hear from God personally. And it's new, by the way. It's not just what's in God's word. It's not saying, hey, I learned something. God revealed something to me. I, I learned something about God today in his word. No, he goes, I learned something. I, I had this dream last night, and God said this, and so you, sh- you need to go do this. That's happening a lot today. That's what they do. It's all about new revelation, right? That should ring a bell, Mormonism, right? They take away from God. They take away from God's word. They take away from Christ. When God's word is belittled, when Jesus is not identified as, as who he is, as Lord and Savior, the cross of Christ is never mentioned. When all of that is gone, you need to evaluate, who is this guy? What is he claiming? He also, he's claiming to be gifted by God, divine authority, new personal revelation, And with divine encouragement, I alone can encourage you. I alone can help you. I have a message that you you can't get anywhere else. And I want you to see this. Okay? So here we go. Let's so make sure and turn up the video a little bit more. Yeah, grinds the years. Listen to this one. <laughs> My thoughts are not your thoughts. <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm dying over here. I can't. The 
So this lady was saved out of New Age. So here's the next one. It's all over the place, falling with the NAR, with Bethel Redding has multiple schools. I just happened to live right next to Bethel Redding for 16 years and had a first eye view of this for a lot of years. Um, and it's amazing. I live that close to all of this going on and dealt with it from the actual prophet at the school's daughter um, was a youth pastor at another church and we dealt with them. We did things with them all the time. And I'm sitting there, and I'm, I was like, I, I cannot follow this. I, this is not good. This is not, they're taking everything out of context. They're not following God's word. All of these things. But yet I was still singing every song that came from them. Because I didn't put two and two together. And, and I, when I started watching their services and how they used the songs, then I realized what they were doing. Most of the songs are designed after new, the New Age movement and transcendental meditation. They're designed specifically to draw you and to draw you into a meditative state where you can be controlled. It's not a coincidence that they tug at our heartstrings. It's not a coincidence that they feel good. It's not a coincidence. And I'll remind you, who is in charge of music from the very beginning of creation? Satan. And it was used to magnify God's glory. It's no coincidence that there are false teachers and false prophets that are using this scheme to gain their charlatans and their false prophets proclaiming to know God, but they are not from God. It's all about themselves. It's all about their own authority. By the way, if you disagree with their, their prophecies, you're kicked out. You're dismissed. You're kept quiet. Um, there's a lot of things that are going on. It's the character of a false prophet is to speak fresh revelation that's outside of Scripture, that confuses Scripture, that pushes his own agenda. If you want to see a great example of this, you go to Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse 5 through 14. You see all of the things, the portrait of a, of a false prophet, what they look like. You see it in this. 
And Nehemiah, you know, he was told by God, go build, rebuild the city, rebuild the walls. He knew what God expected from him. He knew he was supposed to reestablish the worship of God. He was supposed to reestablish all of these things. And it's amazing. And it says in verse 5, in the same way, Sanballat, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. He kept pestering Nehemiah, trying to get Nehemiah to stop doing. Because Sanballat and Tobiah, they were against it because they were like the unofficial rulers. They, they, were, there was a lot, they were making a lot of money. They had a lot of wealth in their positions that they had before Nehemiah came. But Nehemiah, and getting back into true worship of God, ruin, was ruining all of that. And so they started saying things. And, and, and look in verse 6. In the letter, it was reported among the nations. And Gershom uh, also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. And that you tend to, that's why you're building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. So they start spreading slanderous things. And they start saying things that aren't true. And it's amazing. They even invited them to, hey, by the way, if you remember, Sanbiah and Tobiah, they had an apartment inside the temple, the actual temple where nobody was supposed to be. If you go and look, and they had built a temple in there, or they had built an apartment in there, and they were taking all the riches that were belonging to God and using it for themselves. And they said, hey, why, come meet us in there. Nehemiah's like, I'm not going in there. And in verse 8, he says, and, and I sent to them saying, no such thing as you say have been done for you are inventing them out of your own mind. And in the Hebrew, it's actually the exact same wording of what they say false prophets do that we read in 1 Peter and in 1 Timothy. Everything coming from their own will, their own desire, and making it up. Verse 9, it says, For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking that their hands will drop from work and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. He turns to God. He doesn't listen to them. It was neat when we were, everything that we were learning in Sunday school this morning, it fits right into what we're talking about. I was sitting there taking notes, and I'm like, that's exactly what we're talking about in Psalm 56, verse 10 and 11, or that we're stewards of, of God in 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 2. If you keep going down, and, and they are inviting him into the temple, verse 11, but I said... Should such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. I'm going to honor God. I'm going to listen to God. I'm not going to listen to you. What kind of man am I? I am a man of God. I'm not a man of what you say, what you want, what your desires are. Is what he's getting at. Verse 12, he says, And I understand and saw that God had not sent them. <clears throat> that they didn't come from the Lord. They were not true. But he had pronounced the prophecies against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired them. He got, here we go. They had sent a false prophet to prophesy and say, this is from God, you need to do it. And he said, they're not from God. Did you notice that? He knew. He investigated. He had pronounced. And he said, you had just did that because you wanted to make me afraid you want to take authority. You want to take worship. And everything is taking away from God. It's amazing. And, and it says in verse 13, For this purpose he was hired that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin, be deceived and sin. And so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. 
Remember Tobiah and Sambalot? Oh my God, according to all these things that they did and also the prophecies of uh, Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. You see, there's a, their own agenda, their own will, their own desires. They claim to be of God, but they're not. It's all over the Old Testament. So what is a true prophet? What is prophecy? Say, so, okay, well... The Bible says don't despise prophecy. What is it talking about? What is prophecy? This is, you know, what is prophecy? The word literally means, comes from the Greek word prophetes, or prophetia, and it means forth and to tell to speak. To, it means to speak forth with commanding authority. Not authority, by the way, in the one who is speaking, but authority in the context of the one you're talking about. So prophecy, literally, all the way back in time, all the way back into the original Greek and how they used it, prophecy was literally meaning to speak forth in front of people, to proclaim. It never had a connotation of prediction, of something supernatural and mystical and it means to proclaim who God is, is what the context is talking about. To speak forth. There's always a modifier, by the way, if in the Bible when it doesn't use the word prophetes, when it's talking about future things that God is going to do and concerning the prophet, like in, in Revelation, when it talks about prophecies that are made, that are things that are going to happen, there's a modifier, there's a verb that says this is going to happen sometime in the future. In our text that we've been reading today, that there are no modifiers about things of the future. It all points back to God's literal word. And word, not, by the way, the word there means logos, which is where we get the word logic, and it means the whole complete logical mind of God. That is important. The whole complete. It's not something that you hear it all the time. Well, the Bible is incomplete. We need something more. No. We have the word of God that has been made sure and has been made complete. That is whole and complete. The word logos literally means that. It's the logical, complete mind that comes from God. That's what prophecy is. That's what a prophet should be doing. It's standing forth and proclaiming. It's a preacher. That's what it means. Some are gifted at it. Some do okay at it. And some don't do okay at it. But they stand and proclaim, this is God's word. This is also what a prophet is, or a prophecy may never contradict or add something new and authoritative to the word of God. Did you, understand? Did you see that? It never contradicts. Prophecy may never contradict or add something new to the Word of God because it's logical. It's whole, complete from the mind of God. If it's whole, complete and from the mind of God, you understand the inference of those words together means that it can't be contradicted. Revelations 22, 18 through 19. It says, right? And I warn everyone who hears the word of prophecy of this book. Which book are they talking about? Huh? Revelation, right? And so you say, well, pastor, you can't use this as a proof text. Well, let me get there. It says, 
And it says, if anyone adds to them, God will add to them the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Now, you may be talking about revelations, but you know what? It's not the only place that God says it. Jeremiah 26, verse 2. Thus saith the Lord, stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak to all the cities of, Ju of Judea and come to worship in the house of the Lord. All the words that I command you to speak to them, do not hold back a word. Don't change it. Don't hold back. Say everything that I've... It has to be whole, complete, in its entirety, in form. It can't contradict. It can't be added. It can't be changed. How about Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 and 6? Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words. Lagos. It's not in Hebrew. It's not lagos, but it's, it's the same word that points to, to lagos. Lest he rebuke you and be found to be a liar. Do you see a connection here? Yeah, God was saying what he had already said. By the way, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is useful, right? It's God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, you know, it's a training for righteousness or training unto godliness. I'm butchering it, but, but did you get the first part of that? All scripture, all, its entirety. How about Psalm 119, 160, right? Longest book of the, well, longest chapter of the Bible. It might as well be a book. I know somebody, some of us tried to memorize it on a long bus trip. I didn't do so well. So, <laughs> but 160, the very last verse of that long chapter, 160 verses, it says the sum of God's word is truth. It can't be contradicted. It can't be added to. It can't be taken away from. Do you kind of get the idea here? Here's the very important one. The very heart of inspired prophecy is the gospel. You never hear the gospel at Bill Johnson's church. You just don't. In fact, Lindsay, there's another, we shared it with our, our class on Wednesday night Bible study. We watched the video. She actually started sharing the gospel and actually reading God's word and sharing the gospel. The fact that we need to repent of our sins, that we have, we have a problem because we have a holy God and, and we have sin and we need to deal with that sin. So Christ dealt with that so that way he made peace when he died on the cross, so no longer are we under the wrath of God, but we're under peace because he died for our sins. Repent and believe in Christ. And they're all like, what is that? They were shocked. They're like, what are you saying? I've never heard that before. It's true. We had many of the students from this school, from this church come, and we'd preach the gospel to them, and we're like, wow, that's, that's powerful. We've never heard that before. That's from their church. From a false prophet. By the way, Bill Johnson is the proclaimed apostle of the church. And uh, Chris Vullitton is the prophet of the church. So, 
just kind of give you an idea of how the church orients itself. By the way, they quote this many times, and they use it out of context, but Revelations 19, verse 10, right? The very end, he falls down before an angel, and, and he starts to worship, and he says, you must not <laughs> do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of... How do we become a believer in Christ? How do we get saved? Believe in Jesus. You think the testimony or the story or the information about who Jesus is is important? He says, I am with you. And he, I don't know, who are the brothers? Who are the I with you's? To the, those that hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Here's what it boils down to. This is what he's saying. The gospel is the essence of divine preaching. That's what he's saying. The gospel. If a preacher gets up and says, I'm a prophet and never touches Christ, he never gets to the gospel, he never explains God's word. He is a false prophet. He is warped, deceived, full of himself, full of pride, full of, of, he's a charlatan, he's a heretic. By the way, you say, well, is that true with the rest of scripture? Well, yeah. The best place to learn about the Holy Spirit is John 14, 15, 16, and 17. It's the commentary on the Holy Spirit. And he says this in John 15, 26. But when the helper comes, whom I send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about... So what does the Holy Spirit do? He bears witness about Jesus. He's going to point to... What do these false prophets not do? Yeah. John 16, 13... Through 15. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. Where do we see all the truth? The sum of God's Word is all Scripture is breathed out by God and is what? Useful for everything, right? For He will not speak of His own authority. He's not like the false prophets, right? It's all about God. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. Who's the Holy Spirit going to glorify? Who does the false prophets glorify? Their selves, their business. By the way, some of these businesses will not let anybody see their books. They don't have like an open spreadsheet with, this is where we spent all the money this year. They hide it. So what do we do with the false prophet? What do we do with them? There's a lot of them. First John 4, 1 John 4.1 Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the... By the way, how many false prophets? Many do not believe every 
How many times have we heard, well, I'm from the, I come from the Lord. Or the, I have the Spirit of the Lord with me. The Spirit's on me. Or I, I'll never forget, I've, I, can't, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been prophesied over. Because I live there. They, all the students, their, their job, they had to go out every day and go prophesy on people and proclaim and, and do all these crazy things. None of whatever they said came true. And if we hold too, true to the sum of God's word, what should we do? <laughs> right? Well, the first thing we need to do is we need a test. You can test the Spirit. Do they lead to the truth? Do they lead to Christ? Do they lead to the gospel? If they don't, what? we can test. I want you to see this here. <laughs> She's beside herself. Guys, I can't make this stuff up. I, I, I wish I could show you. I watched hours. I mean, four, five, six hours of this stuff. Some of it's scary. And here's the thing. If it doesn't scare you, that should scare you. Here's another thing. Jeremiah 20, uh, 29. Uh, test the spirits. Jeremiah 29, verses 7 to 9. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into the exile and pray for the Lord on its behalf. By the way, this doesn't sound like the false prophets we see today or the prosperity gospel, right? Don't worry about where you're at. I'm going to send you into exile, but seek the, seek the benefit of those that are there, right? Don't seek the benefit of yourself, but seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you for into exile and pray for the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, welfare you will find your welfare. Wow. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. Just because people say, oh, it's in, I'm, I'm, I'm of the Lord, I'm good, I love the Lord, I'm a Christ follower, well, Ask them some questions. What does that mean? Because you'll find out. Because the Mormons say that to me every time they come to my door. Right? And they've, they've not coming to my door yet. My door's a little too far away. I'm bummed. I loved that when they came to my door before. 
That's when I was being discipled. My, I would go garden out front so we can meet the Mormons. When I, my discipler would do that. It was fun. I loved it. But they always say, oh yeah, we love Jesus. And we got a, we got a, we got a word from him. And that's what's coming out of a lot of evangelical churches today, so-called evangelical churches. Here's the thing. Test the spirits and don't listen to them. When they find to be false, when they find to be not true, not the gospel, not about the real Christ, the whole Christ. That's a good book, by the way. <laughs> uh, Rob and I love that book. Uh, it, it, it's just run. Run. Stop listening. How about, isn't this what the psalmist said in Psalm 1? Blessed is the man who walks in the counsel, who, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on in the law he meditates day and night. And what will he be like? He'll be like a tree planted by the streams of living water, and it yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all he does will prosper. The wicked are not so. They're going to be blown away. Test the spirits. Don't listen to them. Turn from them. Don't sit with them. Don't listen to them. Don't stand with them. Get away. Go back to the law of the Lord where we find about who our God really is, who loves us. He is our strength. He is our fortress. He is our ever-present help in the time of need. Go back to the word where it reveals Christ. Pray. Spend time with him. Meditate on God's word. Chew on it. How do we test the spirits? Meditate on God's word. I know uh, Raul and I were talking because we've been preparing for this worship stuff and we were talking. There are things now that we listen to as we've been talking about this. We just, we get a, a, a cringe. We're just like, ooh, something just doesn't feel like that. Sounds like too much man and not enough God. That's so, we, they're going to, the more you meditate on God's word, you're going to have, ooh, that just, the hackles, right? I'll never forget when I was around a grizzly bear for the first time or I was around a mountain lion for the first time. The hairs on my back and my arms, they just, it tingled, right? I was like, something's not right. Psalm 119, we said that. How do we test the spirits? Well, the sum of God's word is truth. If it doesn't fit in the entirety of scripture, if it only fits in that one verse, but it doesn't make sense anywhere else, run. It's false. Guys, the prophet, false prophets have been appearing from the very beginning. As early, as soon as the church was started, false prophets came in. They realized, they said, wow, this is something we could benefit from. The charlatans, the prophets, the heretics. The Montanists, by the way, back in the second century, this, by the way, Bill Johnson thing is not new. Back in the second century, Montanists, you can study him, he's great. His disciples claim to speak on behalf of the Holy Spirit, so you should listen to us because we can speak directly from the Holy Spirit to you. Joseph Smith, by the way, received the Book of Mormon from the angel Moroni, right? Now is the, either the second or third largest religious entity in the world. Owns 
most of the private businesses around, you know, you go to the list of names. You know, they're not supposed to drink caffeine, but they own Coke. I always thought that was funny. <laughs> I just asked them that just to get a smirk out of them. <laughs> they're, oh, we don't drink it. <laughs> we just sell it. That'd be like me, like, oh, I own a bar. I just distribute it, but I don't, you know, I don't drink it. Uh, today, guys, the airwaves are so full. Books are so full of these people. They're selling books, claiming to know things that nobody else knows. I can speak directly from Jesus. I can speak directly from God. Guys, it is in the church. We need to beware. This is not true. How do we test the spirits? How do we know it's true? Because it will all line up in its entirety. Always. The church is not a divider. Man is. The heretic, the charlatan, the prophet, they're all part of Satan's scheme to divide, to confuse. It is not this. It is not God. It is not the Holy Spirit. Who are you going to trust? Lord, I just thank you. You called us to put our faith and trust in you. You are our Savior. There is no other way which we can be saved. I thank you for the young man who gave his life to Christ this week. I thank you for the struggle that he was in. And Lord, I thank you for opening his heart to listen to your spirit. And this, this last week, Lord, he, he just said, I'm done. I can't do this. It's all, it has to be about you. I pray that we would see more from the church sharing the good news, the gospel, not pointing to good speakers and good music, but Lord, pointing to the truth that we are in utterly in desperate need of a Savior. We are condemned for eternal separation from you in hell. But Lord, in your grace and your mercy, you came, you sent your son that he might be the perfect sacrifice to, Lord, to die, to take our place, what we deserve. He, as we've been learning this last few weeks, that he took all of our good and our bad, and he died for it, and he sacrificed himself that we would no longer have our good, but, Lord, we would be washed by the blood of Christ, that we would have your goodness that we would be seen as righteous, that you redeemed us, you purchased us by the blood of Christ, that we no longer be under your wrath, but that you made peace with us through that work that Christ did. Now you call us to repent and believe, and I pray that people would believe that, that, they, that their life would be built on Christ, on him and nothing else. On solid rock I stand, all my hope is found in Christ what he has done for me. May it not be that we get so distracted by all these so-called good things, these good speakers and, and these, this good music, and, and, and it's not good. There is none good but you, Lord. May we drive and realize there is way more good that comes from you than there are of all these other distractions. May we seek your goodness, not the good that we desire but may we be filled with your goodness thank you for the work that you're doing in our lives protect us I pray help us to be ever wise 
to be diligent, to not be deceived. Thank you, Lord, for your word.